Fresh Art International presents conversations about creativity in the 21st century. This is Fresh Art International. I'm Kathy Bird. Our podcast explores contemporary art and culture around the world. Today we share a story at the intersection of art, sports, and activism. In 1968, Black American athlete Tommy Smith set a new world record. He became a gold medalist when he raced to win the 200-meter event at the Summer Olympics in Mexico City. Tommy Smith running pretty well so far. And in lane two, Bambuk is strong on the outside. It's Edwin Roberts. It's John Carlos right now. It's Carlos and Smith. And here comes Tommy Smith! Yet Tommy Smith was only inducted into the U.S. Olympic Hall of Fame in 2019. Why did it take half a century for the International Sports Organization to recognize his record-breaking performance? In this episode, you'll hear from the athlete and two creatives he inspired, Japanese-American artist Glenn Kaino and Iranian-born cinematographer. Afshin Shahidi. They came together to create an exhibition, public programs, and a documentary film to tell Tommy Smith's story. In December 2017, we invite Kaino and Shahidi to meet us inside the tent of the Untitled Art Fair in Miami Beach. I had a picture of Tommy on my computer and a friend of mine came in and saw it. He said, hey, that's, my, you know, that's Coach Smith. You want to meet him? And I said, yeah, it's, absolutely. I met Tommy. Uh, he invited me to his house. We've been working together since. And we've made a couple of monumental sculptures. And now Efshin and I are co-directing a film project about Tommy, the salute, and, yeah, and what Yeah, let's describe today. what so, happened. Yeah, so in 1968, an athlete named Tommy Smith won the men's 200-meter gold medal at the Olympic Games in Mexico City. He and a fellow named Peter Norman, who got second place from Australia, and John Carlos, who was a, another African-American runner from the United States, um, who was a third-place medalist. They went to the victory stand, and during the national anthem, Tommy and John bowed their head and raised their fists in the air in a silent salute. That image of them has become one of the most important images in the history of American civil rights. That's because it was televised. It was the first televised protest in the history of media. That was the first time the Olympic Games were broadcast live ever. And so there was no five-second delay button. No Uh, one was expecting it. Yeah, no one was expecting it. And it was a, a sacrifice that he made for the rest of us, you know, to continue and actually not even continue to create on international scale, a dialogue about sacrifice. Because ostensibly, people got upset about that. Everyone's witnessed, you know, both people who were for and, you know, us as the against it. They all witnessed in, uh, his sacrifice because they knew that there would be repercussions from that. Right, so the, the meaning of it, the gesture was for solidarity and resistance. For several different circumstances, right? Not only the immediate circumstance of the unjust treatment of the athletes and the circumstance in South Africa, but there was obviously a connection to poverty and civil rights in the United States. 
one of the dreams we had was to do an educational tour. Tommy and I were able to travel to different cities around the country with Evgene and us shoot it as part of the film, creating circumstances to engage young people where we teach them how to draw and we teach them about civil rights. And I always say about drawing being mark making. So what we do is we talk to kids about making their mark on paper, but we also have Tommy there and Tommy speaks to them about like what he went through and the conversations that we've been having with the young people after a 90 minute session where we draw with them and we talk about civil rights have been really profound. Avshin, you're the co-director of this film. How did you get involved with this project? So Glenn brought me in. We've collaborated on a number of projects over the years. He brought me in because he knows I'm involved with film. I have three children. They're half Iranian, half African-American, and so I felt this is a really important topic to tackle, and it's just important for them to know that their voice matters and, and that they have a, an ability to, to make a mark on this world. And that's kind of what the documentary is about. The project is called Withdrawn Arms. Yes. Tell me what the title means. It's related to the whole body of work, which is us using, us including myself at Sheen, as, also, as well as Tommy Smith and Jesse Williams and John Legend's team, and John, as all collaborators, using this moment of Tommy's salute as the, the basis for this conversation about how civil rights can work. Examining a moment of Tommy's sacrifice and really connecting it to the sacrifice of our time and, and the crisis of our time and how things have evolved and changed and how things haven't in an unfortunate way for us to understand. But I think for us and for Tommy, like that moment of image making was such a special time of explosive growth of media. And now with Instagram and with, with social media and, and digital media, there's a different landscape and a different volume of image making that we need to understand so that we can then you know, figure out how to support the next generation of, of Tommy Smiths. Are the drawings intended to represent the life of Tommy Smith? Well, the, the draw yeah, the drawings are actually of, of stills from the race where the animation will be retold through the hands of hundreds of participants. But the film is actually interviews with really noteworthy people telling the story of Tommy and then really us examining and telling the story of Tommy's life and connecting it to issues. You know, we were fortunate enough to go meet with President Obama last year in the Oval Office and we were able to see a bunch of really great people and have a very wide set of conversations. You know, I think the ultimate goal is to really represent the salute to the world in a way that is true to Tommy's mission. The great thing about how artwork evolves, symbols evolve, is Tommy has recently said to us that for 49 years people have put words in his mouth about what that meant, and now he's ready to tell his story. He's chosen us to really tell that story with him. 1968, black athletes were expected to perform and shut up. We were dealing with racism. We were dealing with not having a voice. Running became my voice. I knew something had to be done. My next move would be immortalizing history. It's interesting to bring this to the present tense the salute is the hashtag take a knee. Yeah. That's the contemporary version in a sense of what he was doing, but it's had such a widespread positive negative reaction, just like his gesture did. Our goal is to tell that story too, but tell the nuance of the difference between the two. A football player named Colin Kaepernick took a knee in the silent protest during the national anthem. I mean, it's really a protest about what is going on in this country right now. I think the similarities are that in both cases, 
both men have not gone out to the press from a didactic and sort of linear view, talk about, quote unquote, what they were doing. They have allowed this moment for the collective consciousness of our world and our society to come in and assign to that symbolic action. And now what is going on in the knee is that the speed of media co-option is accelerated so much that all of a sudden our government would say that it's actually about protesting the anthem or protesting the flag, which it's not at all. When Tommy did his salute, similar contextual circumstance, similar sacrifice, you know, because both men have been penalized aggressively. But I think we're at this moment where Colin can still and, and is fortunately still winning a lot of civil rights and activism awards. And unlike Tommy, who was vilified in the media immediately, and so I think right now we, I am hopeful that this moment that we're in, despite a lot of the extenuating circumstances, there is a consciousness that we have evolved into that, that will not be lost. Like you were saying, his sacrifice, Collins, has been that he has been unemployed now because he did that protest, but it has brought attention to, to what he was protesting. They're both heroes that have made amazing sacrifices. Change doesn't happen in America without loss. After that Olympics, he was ostracized from society. In early 2020, we reach out to Tommy Smith. We're eager to hear how he remembers his Olympic experience and what has transpired since. On your website, it's written, blazed home in world's record time of 19.83 seconds. I just can't imagine how that felt. Well, during those days, every time I got on the starting line, no matter who I was running against, I took it very serious. And Mexico City, of course, was one of the greatest races of mine uh, since I've been competing. There was no choice for me but to win. And I had to have that in mind as I was preparing for that particular race. It was the first time that the 200-meter furlong was run under 20 seconds. And that was very important to me to do that. First time I do believe, uh, Kathy, that it was alive uh, and in color, by the way. <laughs> I know there were things going on in the United States at the time of those Olympics that motivated the silent gesture that became world-renowned and problematic and maybe the biggest challenge of your life after that run. What made you feel you had to make the gesture? I knew that this was the right thing to do. People don't understand or believe that the, the Olympic Project for Human Rights, or the OPHR, that platform was started at San Jose State uh, University under the tutelage of uh, Dr. Harry Edwards. And it was motivated by the social need to move forward. And uh, conversation we had back then that the athletes of this society had to be accountable for why they are running on a daily basis. Of course, one was I was on uh, athletic scholarship to pursue my academic career and my future. So uh, it was a sacrifice. A lot of things was going through our minds as early 20-year-old uh, student athletes. We had to make that particular stand. I was in need of doing, not saying. Right, because that was 1968, just right at a very poignant and fraught moment in the United States. 
Very much so. So it was traumatic for me to decide how it was going to be done if I made the victory platform. Each second on that victory stand, I was really hoping that whomever saw it had a vision within themselves. It would be really meaningful to hear you describe the symbology of the gesture, what you were wearing and how you stood. It was visual. People would have to see it and make their own decision. So we did have notations, the, the fists and the socks, the military stance I had, the beads that John Carlos had, and the bowed head that we both had. Bowed head meant prayer for me. The military stance, because I was at ROTC, so I took that also to Victor Stan with me, the pride I had in our nation for the military. And you also were wearing a black glove. Yeah, black glove represented the, the power of being, or the power in a stance, because uh, we, we were black athletes. And, of course, the black socks and the bare feet, which represented poverty. Uh, you might say, well, gee whiz, uh, I thought you went to run and not think. I don't think any athlete is so simple that they can't think. Winning for me was not just winning for me, but winning for those who viewed it and understood that we all have a responsibility in this system to make it as good or better than we found it. Actions speak louder than words, and a stance means more than a, than a wave. It was a political move that was very soft in my mind to get people to think about what was going on at a particular time. The Democratic Convention had already been the Vietnam War, the voting rights, the limitation of ethnic groups, the, the killings in the streets of our youth. It embodied all of this that we hoped that people would understand that we were not militant, but we were vilified. So we had a social situation where we needed to be protected right after, although we didn't, were not protected right after, but we certainly needed and we were blessed to weather the storm with the help of God in terms of being alive today to talk about it. I heard it said that it was bittersweet for you to be inducted into the U.S. Olympic Hall of Fame last year. Yeah, the bitter of it is it should have been done 50 years ago, and the sweet part of it that it was finally done. Did you make a statement on that occasion? Well, yeah, I didn't accept it for Tommy Smith today. I accepted it for a young man back in 1968 who should have received it quickly afterwards because there were athletes on that team and certainly athletes after that that did not do what Tommy Smith did to break the 22nd barrier for the first time, the holder of 11 world records simultaneously that had not been done and had not been done since then. Let's talk about the exhibition that you created with Glenn Kino with Drawn Arms. What sparked you to collaborate with him? I needed an outlet, even though all those years after Mexico City. And I was very surprised that when we started talking, his artist profession was related closely to mine in athletics because I saw myself before I acted. Now look at the picture of me going across the line. Now you can look at that smile and see how genuine the smile is. It was a smile of happiness. It was a smile of, of, of foreverness, not a smile of uh, strain or stress. But as soon as I hit the finish line, 
that smile turns into thought. I didn't do very much in reality that I hadn't thought about before, even that race in Mexico City. I ran that race mentally before I ran it physically. I like the idea of how withdrawn arms embodies literally your way of thinking and moving through the world in a way that it seems to me is designed specifically to encourage and empower youth. Yeah, and the fist means power. And Glenn put together the arm bridge of a continuation of moving forward. And the arms going up in the air to exercise the power of the physical use of the appendages of the body to move forward. There are many opportunities for the viewer to see themselves and their potential to be empowered like you were? I would say exactly right. Uh, The victory stand was not for Tommy Smith. It was for those who had no way to uh, speak. Is that person who can visualize the victory stand and be there because you have to be on the victory stand to think outside of the body. The Thomas Smith body was used for them to see themselves. The exhibition and programming began in 2018 at the High Museum in Atlanta. In 2019, the project traveled to the San Jose Museum of Art. Released in 2020, the film is now streaming online. Glenn Kaino and Afshin Shahidi express their own aspirations. My hope is that it brings attention to this man and, and what he did. As a hero, there's heroes amongst us that we don't recognize or see or know. So it's to show that and to show that we are each individually able to make change in, in a small way or in a large way. For me to add to that, you know, that salute is an image and it's, it's uh, interesting talking about that in a, in a room full of images because what, what happened is what we say is when he created and performed that image, the weight of his gesture and the power and the impact that that had crushed him and flattened him into that image. And what this has been a process of over the past 50 years really is expanding him into three dimensions. And our goal is to figure out like, if we can explain and show how behind one of the most iconic images of our time is a sensitive man, is a flawed man, is a wonderful man, is a heroic man, is a religious man. You know, if we can show all these different accesses to who this character is, we somehow can hopefully inspire people that within all of us is a Tommy Smith. And it's really a matter of like where we choose to apply our effort, our humanity, and where and how can we all produce a moment, even for one person, for ourselves, for the world, to affect change in a positive way. The work that Glenn and Tommy have done is brotherhood. It doesn't matter who you are, we're all in this together. Tommy Smith's heroic gesture continues to inspire us, encouraging everyone to take part in the ongoing quest for global human rights and racial justice. When artist Glenn Kino sought out the legendary Olympic runner as a creative collaborator, he recognized the enduring value of art as a means to preserve a noble act. Withdrawn Arms amplifies Smith's courage, bringing history to reckon with our contemporary moment. If you like what you're hearing, 
Please take a few minutes to subscribe to our podcast anywhere you go to listen. The John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, Emily Hall Tremaine Foundation, Locust Projects, and the Andy Warhol Foundation for the Visual Arts, and listeners like you make Fresh Art International possible. Visit our site to learn more and explore the podcast archive we've been building since 2011. While you're there, sign up for our latest news and give a donation to support our stories. Stay tuned for more contemporary art talk.